Hello and welcome. Well, you know it's Monday because we are here, but today it's special because we are reading a lot and we are reading a lot because we have a special guest, it's Danny Brazil, and he's gonna tell us how to bring joy back into education. Thanks so, much for thanks so much for having me, Lucy and Jim. I appreciate all that you do. We need a lot more positivity in the world. So thanks for spreading that joy. Well, I am. When Lucy told me that you're going to be a guest, I was really excited because I used to teach fifth grade math and science. Nice. So I'm really curious about what you have experienced and some of the challenges you face. Well, it's, it's kind of ironic, Jim, because I grew up hating reading. I, uh, my father was a librarian and I always hated the public library. It always smelled funny. The furniture was always uncomfortable. There was always some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There's always a homeless guy who thinks he's a vampire hanging out in the public library. I always hated the library. Uh, and it wasn't until uh, I, I started teaching in the inner city in South Central Los Angeles, where I observed that a lot of my students didn't have a lot of the advantages I had growing up. And I said, shame on me. I mean, I was really blessed. I had both of my parents in the home. Uh, we weren't wealthy, but we always had food on the table. And uh, my parents read to us in front of us, and we always were surrounded by plenty of reading resources. And it became very important to me uh, to make sure my kids had that kind of access. And what I've noticed in the last 25 years I've been in education is most schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I always ask people is, what good is it teaching kids how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read a book. I want them to choose to do it on their own. So if I'm like a fifth grade uh, math and science teacher, I'm going to find out what kinds of things of interest that relate to math and science with my fifth graders. I mean, specifically, you know, four out of five of our struggling and reluctant readers are boys. And I, I'll listen to boys that tell me they don't like math. I'm like, really? You just recited all the statistics for the uh, the New yes. England Patriots football game last night. That's math, just so you know. So there's ways, and that's really what the easiest trick that all of us as teachers and parents, actually, I believe all of us are teachers no matter what, but the easiest trick is to really shut our mouths and listen and figure out what the kids are interested in and then build a curricula around the kids. That's a long answer to a short question, Jim. <laughs> no, I understand your point of view. I understand where you're coming from as well as some of the challenges. Now, we did, we lived for a short period of time in that cent, uh, that uh, South Central area. In Los right. Where were you so, at? Beg your pardon? Where were you at? Over in Linwood. Nice. Linwood is yes. where Weird Al Yankovic went to school. <laughs> did he really? Yes, he did. <laughs> My wife is really curious though who he is now. Well, he's the only, <laughs> so, there's only three people to have had top 10 singles in four decades. It's Madonna, Michael Jackson, and Weird Al Yankovic, who does parodies of songs. <laughs> you, you will smile when you see him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. So, Danny, bringing joy back into education. So what will be your advice to adults? I mean, we get to a certain age. I used to love going to the library. You told me you didn't like going to the library. Your father was a librarian. 
And I used to laugh because in my household, we had six people in the house. It was always, always noisy. And in the library, it was quiet. It was nice. A lot of books, a lot of information. That was cool, actually. Yeah. Well, so what about adults? Because now I look at those books. I scroll this Kindle, Amazon, all those books again and again and again. It's hard to find something. Well, that's a great question, Lucy. I mean, uh, every, every kid is different. And so I'm constantly trying to figure out, you know, if I have 33 students, then I probably have 33 unique habits. And so you already hit upon one. Uh, uh, my wife loves her Kindle. I'm more of a guy that likes a, an actual physical book. Now, mm -hmm. as much as I like physical books, if someone if someone was to ask me, well, would a Kindle count? I'm like, absolutely. I mean, look at all the things that Kindle is awesome at. First of all, my wife is from Singapore. So whenever we fly to Singapore, I'm packing 20 books in my bag and she's packing a, a, one ounce, a, a one pound, six ounce thing that has access to the entire world's library. Um, secondly, uh, we both like to read in bed. Well, it drives her nuts because I always have to have my lamp on because I'm reading a physical <laughs> book. Her, her Kindle illuminates itself. And then third of all, I'm getting a little bit older in years and I can't read some of the print in some of these books. Well, you don't have to worry with a Kindle because you can adjust the font size to uh, to meet the needs of an old geezer like me. So there's benefits to that. Um, I'm constantly telling parents, you know, uh, and teachers, you know, you should have lots of books. I mean, I have I have big books and little books and scratch and sniff books and pop up books, but some kids don't like books. I mean, so make sure that there's magazines available, Sports Illustrated, Highlights, National Geographic. When I was a kid, the only thing I liked to do was eat. You got a kid like that? Give him a menu. He'll read that. <laughs> the menu. Uh, <laughs> they will, that is true. They will read the menu. That's the truth. I, I mean, I always tell this. People will say that, uh, oh, this kid's illiterate. I'm like, really? Because by the by the time the child's in the womb, they can identify the golden arch symbol. They know exactly what that <laughs> means. Don't tell me that kid's illiterate. You know? And it's really just based on interest. You know, when I was in high school, I was forced to read The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. And nothing against that. I know plenty of people love the book. The book is about Hester Prynne uh, committing adultery, so she has to wear an A on her chest. And I asked my teacher if I could wear a B on my chest because I was so bored reading that book. <laughs> and one of the problems I see in schools is when they define what literature is. I mean, who's that? Who's to decide that? I was just doing yes, uh, uh, last week, I was doing an interview on Nigerian television and they were asking about some of the problems in Nigeria. And I said, well, I don't know a ton about Nigeria, but I know that it was colonized by the British and this, it still uses a British schooling system and so the types of books the kids are asked to read are Shakespeare and uh, Dickens and uh, Jane Austen and there's nothing wrong with any of those authors but I said to a Nigerian kid wouldn't you think that like reading something by Chinua Achebe like a Nigerian author maybe that would be something that they could relate a little bit more to this is what we should be constantly paying attention to if I got a kid that loves soccer I'm going to find soccer books for that kid uh, you know that's what we're really missing out is we should base it on the interest i always tell this to parents the little boy who only reads captain underpants is going to be 
a better reader than the little boy who refuses to read anything. I mean, Captain Underpants is the gateway drug to Shakespeare, but first you got to get the kid excited. And we don't do enough of that in school, in my opinion. What, why is that? Why don't you think we do more of it? I don't know. I think I think people get lazy. We've been doing it this way for 150 years. And, you know, to me, the pandemic is one of the greatest things ever to happen in education, because all of a sudden it made us rethink how we educate kids. We're already seeing data on this, how how uh, online education has affected different kids. I mean, I'm actually kind of fascinated by the research where they're finding that African-American boys in particular did much better during the pandemic because they weren't disciplined as much in school. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, yeah there's there's data showing that um and again you know this is what i look at how we're able to communicate right now i get very excited about technology i tell people right now there's some impoverished child somewhere in the world sitting on a dirt floor maybe that kid hasn't even eaten breakfast but if that kid has a laptop and an internet connection, they have the same access as the head of Google. The world just got a whole lot smaller and you don't have to be born in New York City anymore to make it an impact. And I, for one, love to look at the positive impact that uh, I see is going to happen in the next 20 years. Wow. You just got me, you got me all fired up right now. thinking of <laughs> all the possibilities there are. I mean, I, I look at people and I wonder, why don't they have a thirst as adults? Yeah. To do more with their lives. Why do they stop here? You know, like when I graduated from high school, I remember being excited, thinking, whoa, no more education. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what a, that was really silly to be upset at the time. Yeah, isn't that sad, Jim? That drives me nuts because I've taught all age levels and I always ask people, my kindergartners were going to bed with their backpacks on because they were so excited to go to school the next day. And by the time the kids were in eighth grade, they were thinking of ways to get sick because they didn't want to go to school. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> yes. yeah, what happened in those eight years to get the kid to hate school so much? If I'm doing my job, my kid should be banging on my classroom door at five in the morning, and they should be in tears when that final bell rings at the end of the day. I always tell people that if you're not learning, you're not growing, and you're slowly dying a little bit each day. It, I had a friend once you know, he loves to boast that uh, he graduated Harvard, and he hasn't read a book since then. And all I want to say is, well, you're an imbecile then. I know plenty of people yes. that never went to any university, but they're avid readers and they're much more interesting. They're constantly curious. And I, I, I think especially in today's day and age, I mean, you really need to continue to educate yourself to get to get better, whatever, whatever your field is. And that's one of the things I tell adults, you know, because adults always think that reading has to be Dostoevsky. And I'm like, well, that's great if you like to read Dostoevsky. But I'm sure Warren Buffett every day for eight hours isn't reading classic Russian literature. I think he's reading reports from different companies and figure. I mean, that's very narrow reading, uh, you know, I deal with a lot of athletes and they say, well, I don't read them. I guess you do because you're reading scouting reports and things like that. That's a type of reading. Um, I tell people the research is really clear on this. It doesn't matter what you read. What matters is how much you read. It doesn't matter if you're reading James Joyce or James and the Giant Peach. People who read more read better. And so that would be a quick tip for any adult that's struggling with reading. I'm like, well, figure out what you're interested in and just have a narrow reading on that. If you're if you're a leader, start reading leadership books and biographies of successful uh, leaders. You know, if you if you run a website on uh, 
uh, how to macrame. Well, then read all you can about macrame. It, it, narrow reading is a, is a real smart strategy. And it's usually a, a great way to boost a person's interest in reading. I think that is just absolutely brilliant. And I wish I could pour that into the brains of many adults as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easier than you think, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perhaps. <laughs> It is. So like one of the things that one of the quickest tips I give to parents, because I'll, I'll, I'll do a lot of parent seminars and a parent will ask me, well, you know, my kid won't read that much. I'm like, oh, I know an easy way. Here's a quick tip for everybody in the audience. Turn on the closed captioning on the television set. Mm -hmm. And like here in America, people say, well, wait a sec. If the show's in English and the, the subtitles are in English, what good does that do? And I say, well, that's a fair point. But let me make a point. <laughs> How often, you know, oh, I'm hitting something close at home. I, I always tell people, how often have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not looked at the subtitles? That's very difficult to do. Your brain's directed towards the text. There's actually research that supports this. If you look at reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower their reading scores are in every country except for one. The country that watches the most TV in the world has the highest reading scores in the world. It's Finland. And so people ask me, well, how can that be? I'm like, well, because Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so they import all these old sitcoms from America, like Happy Days and Welcome Back, Cotter. And they have to put subtitles on them. So I always tell parents, if nothing else, put on the subtitles on the TV. It's a quick way to introduce print to the uh, reading environment. And that's really what I'm trying to do is uh, my, all of my reading programs are focused on how can we get you to read 20 minutes a day outside of school? Because the research shows that if you can do that, you're gonna be a, a very successful student. It's actually quite consistent across countries and cultures. Well, you're absolutely Correct on that, Danny, about the subtitles. Lucy can't wait to mention that. You want to say something, honey? Well, the problem is I'm a Ukrainian. I'm from mm. Ukraine. Jim's from America. And when he when we got together, we got watching TVs together. And I used to ask him to put on subtitles because it was sometimes mm. hard for me to catch up with speed, how fast people speak and everything, or the dialect or something else. And then we came across the movie that was made in Scotland, I believe, and none of us could understand a word. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, no that was weird. <laughs> but later, a few months later, we realized what's weird is that Jim wants to watch movies now with subtitles only. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I, I love the subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't feel comfortable watching Amazon without subtitles. Yeah. She doesn't need them anymore. <laughs> That's great. So I mean, now we are reading by watching the movies, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have one more question. Great. There are a lot of studies about different styles of learning. There are kids and adults who have a uh, visual style or audio style who learn better from listening to things or seeing things or combining visual and reading. And uh, you say, read a lot, this is how you get better. So how is it better to combine or to read? What's the advice? That's a wonderful question, Lucy. It's like you're giving, you're giving me softballs here. I always tell people that if you look at the research, over half of the Fortune 500 CEOs share a common characteristic. They're dyslexic. 
And uh, I always want people to understand that dyslexia is a reading disability and all disabilities in reading are curable. And what we find with dyslexics is they actually process a lot better through their ears, auditory. And so you have to understand the research is very supportive of this. It's just as beneficial for you to listen to somebody read to you as it is for you to read it on your own. So if you do have difficulties uh, concentrating on text, put in an audio book. There's all kinds of ways to do. I mean, again, when I'm talking to parents and I say, well, we want to get those 20 minutes a day. If it takes you 10 minutes each way to drive your kid to and from school, put in an audio book. So the kids are listening to it to and from school. It's a, it's a really good strategy. Uh, I'm one of these nerds that actually reads government studies. They're always 2000 pages long. And it's always around page 100, where they have one paragraph that says the research seems to suggest the single best way to improve reading is to read aloud to children. And then it never mentions it again, because uh, they don't know. I, I, one of my friends and mentors, Jim Trelease, uh, he always says, if reading aloud costs $129, Every parent in America would rush out and buy it. And if we found out kids didn't like it, they would mandate it in the public school system. It's such a simple thing, and yet it's so powerful. I've actually worked with parents who didn't know how to read, who I would just teach them how to read the pictures to their kids. And the kids actually became readers because the parent was reading to them. And then the, the kid realizes the parent actually isn't reading the words. But it was uh, Emil Buckwald had a great line said, uh, you know, most children are made readers on the laps of their parents. And that's why it's so important to me to really cool. get parent involvement there. And I always the best part of my I have a my reading program. I have the world's top reading engagement program. And in just over two months, I get kids to read more, read better and love reading. And at the very end of the program, I said, here's the bonus. I know your kids are reading more. I know they love reading. I know they're just doing really well, but I just gave you 20 minutes a day, one-on-one -on -one with your child. Who among us would not have died to have gotten that kind of individual attention every single day from a parent? I just gave you the gift of a relationship. Uh, I think it was uh, Jesse Jackson who once said, uh, children need our presence, not our presence. And mm -hmm. it's exactly right. How can we be present with our kids? And, and to me, that's the value. So answering the question again in a very roundabout way, different strokes for different folks, Lucy. Uh, some of us process better visually. And for those folks, I say, you know, read as much as you want. But I'm a big advocate for uh, having people listen to audiobooks or be read aloud to by a caring adult. Excellent. This is great. Oh, that's that's wonderful. This is Daniel Brazel talking about how to bring joy back into reading and education. Daddy, so just last question. I want your advice to our listeners. Many of them, most of them are actually adults with or without children, but we are approaching 2022. And you know, that thing, not a bucket list, but not just bucket reading list, but uh, New Year's resolution, we want to read more, we want to be smart, we want to advance. What your advice will be how to get into reading more or reading better, I would say. Well, so that's great, Lucy, because what I always tell people is resolutions fail, routines prosper. So I teach people how to get into the daily habit of reading. And I want to make sure to give all of your audience 
uh, some goodies. So if they go to freegiftfromdanny.com, freegiftfromdanny.com, I'm going to send everybody a complimentary electronic copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. That's a book I wrote for a school principal who was trying to keep his faculty positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation that demonstrates the same concept. You can read that in five minutes. And then I'm also going to give you access to a five-day reading challenge I just did with about 700 parents worldwide, where every day for an hour for five consecutive days, I throw at you a whole bunch of strategies to get you and your kid to read more, read better, and love reading. Uh, that's for everybody. Because uh, again, I'm so much more interested talking to people who are readers, whatever they're reading. I, I uh, you know, just listening to uh, people um, promote reading gets me really excited about it. And so hopefully uh, uh, that'll serve uh, all of your listeners and will we'll, uh, transform some of those struggling, reluctant readers into more passionate and proficient readers. Well, I think that is absolutely fantastic. And for all our millions and millions of fans out there, I think Danny and his wife are putting together a potluck dinner for all of you this weekend so they can all meet together. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> well, if you listen to us for a while, you know that Jim always comes up with those kind of things. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every episode, we have something special from Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you can find links to the website, Danny's website in the description to this episode. Please go and check the advice and go and dive into reading because there is so much value in this world. And if, even for a moment you get bored with life, well, just stop and think there is so much around us that you don't know. Just go and read about it. Right, Danny? Sounds good to me. You are what you read, so read good stuff. <laughs> Great. Thank you very much for joining us, Danny. Thanks for all you guys do, and God bless. Thanks for having me. You too, my friend. This is Motivational Monday by, by Jim, Jim and Lucy. Lucy. Follow our podcast. And check out our website, jimandlucywoods.com.